right. Well, First Timothy, Second Timothy, rather, um, chapter four. We're in. We're just now starting the last chapter of this this letter, and we've been in a series through First and Second Timothy since the fall. Uh, I think we took a quick break for the Christmas season, but uh, we've been in this for a, a while now. So we're going to wrap this thing up in about I think two more Sundays. We're we're going to take a slow walk through this last chapter. Um, we're going to look at the first four verses of chapter four today. Um, but let me just give the quick recap of what we've been seeing through both of these letters, because both letters do foundationally teach the same thing, but just from different perspectives and angles. Um, the overarching message of First and Second Timothy is the, the need to be faithful to Jesus through and because of his faithfulness to us. All right, so now 1 Timothy tackles that issue of faithfulness in the context of the whole church, the context of the local church walking uh, together faithfully in sound doctrine, right belief, uh, gospel centrality, all of these things that we've been trying to hit on uh, through all these weeks. Um, so 1 Timothy was written to Timothy as he's leading a particular local church through a, a big mess and trying to get that church back into gospel faithfulness. Second Timothy is written to the same guy. That's why it's called Timothy. Uh, the same person received both of these letters, but Second Timothy is a little bit of a different perspective, although the same basic idea, uh, stay faithful to Jesus. But the angle that Paul takes in Second Timothy is uh, of, our, of our personal faithfulness as believers to keep going in the Christian life, even when life is extremely difficult. And so Paul is writing this letter from prison, his second Roman imprisonment. He was imprisoned in Rome uh, one time and, and got, got out and spent significant ministry after that. This is his second imprisonment and this is his final imprisonment. He's going to die at the end of, of this stay in prison. And so this is one of the last letters he wrote. Um, and it is the last letter we think, at least as far as we can tell, that he wrote that's recorded for us in, in scripture. So this is definitely an interesting perspective because Paul is telling his, his guy, Timothy, this guy that he's helped raise up in the faith and helped uh, mature and, and be equipped for ministry to follow in Paul's footsteps. And, and now he's writing to this guy to say, hey, the end is very close for me. So here's what we need to do. You need to walk through these things if you're going to continue carrying the gospel out in faithfulness to the next generation. So that's what 2 Timothy is. But the idea of faithfulness is, is key to both of these letters. It's just from different perspectives. So as we get to the tail end here of this letter, we've seen uh, the, the need for God's word to become central in our lives. That's what we really started last week, uh, that God's word is central to us. Um, and, and it is profitable, it is useful, it is good for us to, to actually grow as Christians, that it's actually vital that we have the Bible because as verse 16 says in chapter three, all scripture is breathed out by God, meaning all scripture is inspired by him, given from him. Uh, it is from him, though he used human authors to write these words, he's the one behind these words. And that's where the power of the Bible comes to us. It's because they're from God. And it is profitable, it is good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So the Bible is central to 
our lives. And where we took this last week was basically that we as individual believers need to be in the Bible. We need to immerse ourselves in it as much as we can uh, to see God's power and grace work its, its thing in our lives. But we're going to continue talking about the Word of God today from a different perspective. Paul is going to draw us into the importance of the preaching ministry of God's Word. Um, so God's Word is important for us as individual Christians, but it's also vital for us as a co- collective group of Christians in the local church. That we, as, as Christians gathered together in a church on a Sunday morning, we need the Bible to be the centerpiece of what we're doing here. And that's, that's really the angle we're going to look at today. Um, so this passage is one that um, is directed towards a minister to equip him to do his ministry faithfully uh, in the church. It is a classic text that those of us who have been trained for pastoral ministry have been taught and pounded into our heads and, and it's important that, it, that that's been done, right? That we need this. We need to keep going back to this as pastors and leaders in the church. Um, but for those of you who are here and are not in a position of church leadership or pastoral ministry, I want to emphasize this. It's still vital for you too. It gives you a vision, uh, a clear picture of what God actually expects from his church and from the pastors who lead those churches. Uh, it should help us understand as we walk into a church, what, what should we be looking for? Uh, is this a healthy church? Is this a church on the right path? Is this church doing what God's word calls it to do? It gives everybody engaged in the church on any level of the church uh, an understanding of what God's expectation is for his church and for what kind of preaching should come from it. Um, so really what we're going to do today is walk through this, these four verses and we're going to look at four things that are drawn out of it um, that show us what faithful preaching looks like in the context of the local church. What are the markers or the indicators of a healthy, faithful preaching ministry in the church? So we're just, and this is probably not an exhaustive list of, of things that the church should be focused on, but it's what's in the text. So we're going to focus on these four things that are drawn out here. And, and then um, if you want to get ready, we're going to go to Ephesians 4 towards the end here and just kind of tie this all together. But, but take a look at verse 1 uh, and the start of verse 2. We'll start here. So here's, a, here's how the Apostle Paul starts this section. He says, I charge you, speaking to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word. Okay, so the the charge, the call that Paul gives to Timothy as a leader in the church is to preach the word. That's that's what he says, simply preach the word. He's going to tell him how to do that and what that should look like in the in the following words, but he just says preach the word. But here's here's the thing. Um what we see through this first verse, through the charge, he says, I charge you. He doesn't just say, I charge you to preach the word. He, he fleshes this out. He says, I'm charging you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by or because of his appearing and his kingdom. 
So what does this tell us about the ministry of preaching, first and foremost? Well, it tells us that faithful preaching, here's the first point if you're a note taker, right? Uh, Faithful preaching points us to Jesus. Faithful preaching points us to Jesus. Now, I hope that as you've been here long enough, you, you hear that and go, duh. All right, I hope I hope that's where you're at. Uh, maybe you're not. Maybe not. But hopefully you get that. Like into because that's that's our thing here, right? Like if we have a thing, that's our thing. That's we, we're talking about Jesus. We're, we're drawing you to Jesus. The Word of God is all about Jesus, and so what we preach from this pulpit and and to your lives should be pointing you to Jesus, not to me, not to my opinions, not to my thoughts not to the political issues of the day, not, not to any of that. We want the word of God to be preached as it points us to Jesus. We can pick up on this point as Paul says in the charge that he's charging Timothy with this call to preach in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his, Jesus's appearing and his kingdom. So, He's prefacing this call to preach the word through this lens of, hey, Jesus appeared and he has a kingdom and and that should be the center point of what our preaching gets us to. It should get us to him. So faithful preaching should be centered on the finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. We We have a God who brought us to himself once and for all through the sacrifice of Christ and through his resurrection. And that's what Paul's drawing out. He's, he's, talking, he's talking about the appearing of Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus, which I think we could say are, the, are kind of the bookends of the gospel story, that Jesus appeared, he lived a perfect life, he died in the place of sinners, he rose again from the dead, and now he has a kingdom that will be uh, revealed in his timing as he returns for us to bring us fully into this this healing and hope that the gospel provides. We're seeing the bookends of that in these two words, his appearing and his kingdom. In fact, we know that Jesus at his appearing, when he, when he launched his public ministry, announced this. He says it in, in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled. These are the words of Jesus. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So when Jesus launches his public ministry, uh, Mark's recording of that event is this simple phrase. Jesus says, the time is, is here. Everything that has been talked about throughout all of Israel's history in the Old Testament era is fulfilled. The time is here for me to be here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus inaugurates his kingdom even in his first coming into the world. His first appearance brought the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. And I know we think of the kingdom of God as a future day. And to a point, that's true, right? Because we haven't fully realized the kingdom yet. The kingdom is still yet to come, but it is now and it's not yet. We're living now in the kingship of Jesus Christ because at his coming into the world, he inaugurates it. He ushers in the kingdom of God through his life, death, and resurrection. 
and, and his ultimate return will be the, the fulfillment of all of these things in, in its totality. But we're, we're waiting yet for that final consummation of the kingdom. We're, but we're still in the kingdom even now. Jesus is still ruling and reigning. He's on the throne. He is the king that we, that we submit our lives to. And so the primary work of the preaching ministry of the church is to point us to Jesus and ultimately how his finished work through the cross and resurrection is good news for us. So we, we start this section with this charge to Timothy and, and, and then this call to preach the word. And so what that tells us is that the the Bible, as it's preached in the local church, is not a little thing. It's not a, even an optional thing. It's a vital thing. It's a necessary thing. It's, it's one of the primary tools that God uses in our lives to draw us to him and help us to be encouraged. And so I don't, I don't say this in some legalistic way, right? I, you guys know me. Hopefully you know me well enough to know I, I'm not a legalist or I really try not to be. If I, if I slip into it, I try to repent of that because it's a sin to be a legalist, by the way. Um, but we, we need to be in church. We need to sit under God's word. We, we need to hear it proclaimed. Again, it's like you miss a Sunday, like no, it's not going to destroy your life. But if you live in a pattern of, of avoiding the local church and the ministry that God uses to, to, through the preaching to draw our hearts to Jesus, we are, we're going to be stunted in our growth. We're not going to be healthy Christians. We're designed by God to be a part of his church and we need it. So that is the first thing we're seeing, that, the, that faithful preaching gets us to Jesus, to his work to his accomplishments for us and the good news that that is, that that's about. Okay, let's keep going though. We've got three more things to work through. So verse two, preach the word and here's how. He's gonna walk through how to preach the word faithfully. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? Well, I think what Paul's calling us to do is to preach the word consistently. Faithful preaching is consistent preaching. By in season and out of season, he's talking about preaching the word when it's convenient to do that and when it's not convenient to do that. To preach the word when it's popular to do that and when it's not popular. To do that when it's well-received and when it's not well-received. So, Preach the word in season and out of season means we need to preach the word faithfully regardless of what the cultural climate outside the church or even inside the church uh, is looking like. And, and I'm encouraged by so much of this. As you look at it outside the, maybe the context of the U.S. and you look at our brothers and sisters around the world who are in places that are hostile, far more hostile to the gospel than even our culture is. And of course we know and we can bemoan this and be sad about this, that the culture that we live in is becoming increasingly post-Christian and hostile to these things. That is true. I'm um, not going to argue that that's not true. I, I don't know what God's going to do through that in the long run, but, but here's what I know. There are places around the world that are way further ahead on this than, than we are. Like 
light years ahead of us on this. And, and yet you have God working through the faithfulness of these brothers who pastor churches and preach the word and bring it to the people, even at the risk of their own lives and even at the risk of their own freedoms. Um, and, and that's just an encouraging thing. We need to hear this, that, that God's word is not bound. So, so the apostle Paul at one of, in one of his letters says that he's bound by chains, but the word of God is not bound, right? That, that we are, we can be locked up in jail and yet God's still working and moving through his people. And that should give us hope that it's not built upon us. It's not built upon governments that are friendly to our message. It's not built on that. It's built upon the faithfulness of Jesus working through his word and empowering men and men to preach in the church, to, to preach it with boldness and clarity and consistency. We, we need to keep preaching the word regardless of what the outcomes may be for us. And, and that's what God is going to use to bring about health and growth and salvation for people. It's, it's the means that he uses or some of the means that he uses. So faithful preaching should be consistent preaching in season and out of season. And if you think about the, the original context that Paul's writing to, he's writing in a very hostile context. He's literally in prison for preaching the Bible. Like he's, he's in a jail cell right now as he's write, writing these words. And he's got this gospel boldness to say to Timothy, who cares what they do? They can lock you up. You, you preach the word. Preach it in season and out of season. Get after it. Continue to be consistent in it. And I think that we have largely missed the, the reality of that because we, we live in a pretty comfortable society right now. It may or may not stay that way. I don't know. I'm not, a, not predicting anything. I'm just going, it doesn't really matter if it changes though. Like what, what matters is that Jesus' word is still going to be preached. He's always going to raise up people who will do this. And we, we've seen this all throughout church history. You see it all throughout church history. You see it in the reformers like Martin Luther and Calvin and even before them, John Wycliffe, who were willing to lay down their lives and die if necessary because of the word of God. And we need that gospel boldness in our day too. We really do. And, and we just need to hear the word of God and go, yeah, in season and out of season, let's, let's go. Let's do it regardless of what may come. So faithful preaching points us to Jesus. Faithful preaching is consistent. And let's look at the next phrase here. Um, it says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So faithful preaching is also pastoral. Here's what I mean by that. Faithful preaching is pastoral. Um, the word pastor comes from the Greek word for shepherd. And preaching in the local church, if it's faithful and healthy preaching, should address heart issues and life issues in people's day-to-day -day experience. That's why Paul says that the word of God needs to be preached and it should reprove, rebuke, and exhort. 
So reprove, rebuke, and exhort. What do these three words draw us to? What are they pulling out? Uh, we kind of touched on this already in, in the prior section, but uh, to, to reprove is to show someone where they are wrong. Right? And I shared a story last week of my first semester in Bible college where I had some really messed up theology and I was in a class where the professor um, shared just the Bible, right? He read the Bible and he talked about it and I got up and after class and had a conversation with him and I said, hey, uh, what, what the Bible says here is not what I believe. And he said, well, who do you think is wrong? Right, and it's obviously me. It's always gonna be us that are wrong, right? And that was so helpful for me as an 18-year-old kid to, to hear that and go, yeah, wait a minute. If, I'm, if I disagree, I'm the one who's wrong. That's what reproving is. And so faithful preaching should show us as God works through it and his spirit moves in it, he should show us the areas where we're wrong. That's what happened to me in that, in that class. He just preached the Bible and I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm wrong here. Or, or at least I was wrestling with those things. And, and then I recognized that I was wrong. But we, it, faithful preaching helps us see our sin. It helps us to see the areas in our lives where we're not lined up with Jesus. But it doesn't just leave us there because so many of us, I know we've sat through preaching where it's just that, right? Where you're just getting crushed for 30 minutes and the, the pastor has nothing but gloom to, t- to share with you, that's not what full, healthy gospel preaching should be. That's why Paul doesn't just say reprove. He also tells us to, re- he also says that it should rebuke. Now, rebuking is not just showing us our wrong, but it's showing us the path to get out of that wrong. Gospel preaching takes us from our sin to our need for repentance and change and growth. And so there should be a movement there. And then this third word, exhort, is a word that can be translated encourage. And encourage is to give someone courage to take that step of repentance and growth. So what you're seeing in these three words is the, the, that faithful preaching shows us our sin. It also shows us our a need for repentance, and it shows us the consolation of the gospel. That's what reprove and rebuke and exhort, this, this chain is getting us to. It's getting us to the full reality of what God wants to do in us. God does not want you to sit in church and feel just purely the weight of your sin and send you out miserable. He uses your misery to draw you to the hope of Jesus. That's what he does. And he does that through his word. And so faithful preaching has to get us all the way there. Gets us to the the problem, to here's the solution, it's repentance, to here's Jesus and here's the hope you have in him. This is what it's supposed to do. That formula is really important. It's not just one. If it was one or two of these things, but not the full uh, the, the full thing, then it's going to be stunted preaching. But then look at this. Uh, he goes on to say in that same section, he says we're to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So 
the idea of patience in preaching is something I don't know that we've, we talk enough about. I don't know that that's something we, we think about. But here's the reality. At, at Springbrook Church, at least, we believe that our ministry has to give people lots and lots of time. We believe that nothing significant happens quickly. It is a slow burn to get to the place that Jesus wants us to get to. And I think it's a, incredible that the, that the Holy Scriptures themselves call us to preach the word with complete patience and teaching, continuing to walk with people through all of their junk and all of their sin and all of their mess and all their backsliding and all the mess that, that, they, that all of us bring into this thing, myself included, that we grow slowly through these things by patience and teaching. And so the equation that we've used here, and we, we've, we hijacked this from a different church, and I got, with permission, I talked to the pastor there and said, can I just like steal that from you? And he said, yeah, that's fine. Um, so here's, here's the equation, and I think it's just so helpful. It's, it's gospel plus safety plus time. That that's the equation for a healthy, growing, disciple-making church. Give lots of good news, lots of gospel through Jesus in an environment where it is safe for people to admit that they are struggling. Safety. People need to know that they are not going to be rejected if they admit that they've done something. By creating a culture where people aren't safe to confess is a culture where people are not going to confess. They may get caught, but they won't confess. And there's a big difference there. And so instead of trying to create some retroactive, like responsive issue when sin comes out, when it can't be hidden anymore and somebody is caught in a sin, that's a very different kind of ministry than a culture where we can actually just own up to our failures and our flaws and our sins. And that's where you have to have a culture of safety. But then the third piece is the patience piece. You need to have a culture of time. People aren't going to just magically be fixed in a single moment. It is going to take time for them to get there. And that's why the word of God calls the ministry of preaching to be with complete patience and teaching, helping people walk through these things gradually and over time. We, that's the kind of culture we're attempting to see here. I don't know that we've fully arrived. I think with some people... It, it's, it's realized and with others, maybe not. And that's okay. Like, we got nothing but time for you to catch up with what we're doing here. This is okay. But here's the one thing. Uh, you will be very discouraged at this church if you think this church is just for you to pretend like everything's good. You're going to get burned, burned up here by that because we don't want you to pretend that you got it figured out. We know you don't. You know I don't. So why pretend? Why, why, are we, why are we doing this? Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's, let's be vulnerable with, within the right context and with the right people, right? Trusting people, all those things, right? But we need gospel plus safety plus time. And that's the equation to a gospel culture that we keep talking about. Okay, one more thing here to look at before we turn to Ephesians um, Look at verse 3. 
and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So this has been a recurring issue for the, the letters to Timothy. First Timothy dealt with it a ton. Um, Second Timothy here, is t- he's just touching on it now. Maybe he did a little bit earlier in the letter as well. But basically he's saying that there's a time that's coming when people are not going to want to hear the right kind of preaching. Sound teaching. Sound means healthy. And instead, they're going to have what he calls itching ears where they just want to get somebody to say to them what they want to hear. That's happening, obviously, in our, in our day and age. We, we know this is happening. It was happening in that day and age, too, um, where people want to hear what they want to hear, and they want pastors who are just going to reaffirm to them what they already believe. And, and God's word is meant to disrupt this in us. And so the problem or the danger of having teachers or accumulating teachers who will just suit our own passions is that they will turn, these people will inevitably turn away from listening to the truth and will wander off into myths, which is exactly what happened in Ephesus as he wrote 1 Timothy. That was what happened, right? And so Timothy's still in Ephesus. He's still working through this stuff with the church at this, at this point, I'm sure. And, and yet, uh, Paul's basically saying, listen, this is what's happened. People just want to get their own, their pastors to say what they want to say. They want to live in an echo chamber. They don't want to hear any other perspectives. And so as a result of that, they're going to end up wandering off into these crazy things, uh, misbelieving uh, things, and, um, and it's not going to be good for their souls. So, he, so what does this tell us, though, about faithful preaching? What is the, what is the principle here that Paul's drawing out? Well, here it is. Faithful preaching is necessary. It's necessary. And the reason it's necessary is because even though it's true that there will always be people throughout history that have these, you know, desires to just live in an echo chamber and hear what they want to hear and wander off away from the gospel, that's always going to happen. But that's the very thing that makes faithful preaching that we've laid out all the more important. It's all the more necessary because if we're not proclaiming a Jesus-centered, consistent, and pastoral message, this is going to be the outcome. People are going to just wander off into their own crazy beliefs and they're just going to accumulate people that they want to listen to. So we need the, the things that he's already drawn out, that preaching is about Jesus and that in and of itself, if you keep the main thing the main thing and just keep preaching Jesus, that's going to do 99.99% of the work for us. The problem is, is that we get off of that and we, we start to wander away, right? So we need consistency. We need pastoral preaching. We need to see how things apply to Christ and all that is true. But this is necessary. It's necessary for us to hear the word of God proclaimed in these ways. So, That's the passage here. Now, in verse 5, we'll look at verse 5 next week, uh, or start it next week. Here's, he's going to basically pivot to just say, okay, Timothy, now here's what you need to do. 
We're not gonna, we're gonna pause here though and pick that up next week. What I wanna do is I wanna take us to Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote years before 2 Timothy uh, to the same church that Timothy's in. And so I think it's actually really interesting that so many of the problems in First and Second Timothy could be remedied by them just listening to the first letter to the Ephesians that he wrote them. Um, but when we get to chapter 4 of Ephesians, we'll look at verse 11 through 16 here quickly. This lays out what the ultimate goal for gospel-centered, Jesus-oriented preaching should be. What is, what is all of this meant to do at the end of the day? That's where we're going to pick it up here. So verse 16, excuse me, verse 11, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll read down to 16. Verse 11 says this, that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So here's a list in, in Ephesians of spiritual gifts, but also leadership roles within the church. So there's all kinds of stuff that we can talk about in this one. But I want to hone in on it is this. Um, at the end of that little list in verse 11, we see that God gave to the church shepherds. That word can be translated pastors. That's the, that's the word. And teachers. Some, some actually think that these two things should be put together in a hyphenated office, shepherds, teachers. I'm not going to argue about that one way or the other, but the, the translators in the ESV chose to put those as two separate things, shepherds and teachers, but I do think that there's obviously related ministry there. So, so again, what we're talking about in 2 Timothy is the role that leaders in the church play to bring the word of God to people. So here, same context. Shepherds and teachers are given to the church to do what? To equip the saints, that is the believers, for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, tons there. That could be its own sermon all, all together, but let's just draw out the point of the leaders of the church, the pastors, the teachers, those who are responsible for giving the, the preaching ministry primarily. What is the purpose of all of this? Why come to church and why sit under preaching? Well, it is to first equip you for the work of ministry. It is to build up the body of Christ. It is to help us grow in maturity into manhood, so to speak, right? Maturity in Christ. It is meant to help us live in unity. It is to help us believe healthy, sound doctrine. It is to help us grow in love. All of this is gospel culture at work, 
growing and flowing out of us as we sit under God's word preached faithfully. And so my, my encouragement for us today is this, that as, as we come to church, as we gather week after week, let's come in expecting to hear from Jesus so that we can grow and be equipped and mature and love and live in unity and all the kind of things that we, we long for deep in our hearts. We can actually see this happen as God's word comes, through, comes to us and works through us. And again, I want to emphasize this. This is not about Tom and his opinions. I just want you to see the word of God and throw away whatever junk I may throw in there that isn't in alignment. Throw it out. It's garbage. But God's word will be used, used in your life to help you grow, to make you mature, to bring you into unity with fellow believers, to ultimately bring you to a place where love, the love that Christ gives us is flowing more profoundly in our lives. So that's what we want to see. That's what the preaching ministry is meant to do. And I hope that, that as we gather together week after week, we will see that continue. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us today. I pray that whatever I may have said this morning that isn't in alignment with the truth of your word, that it would be forgotten whatever you want to say to us would resonate throughout the day and week and, and going on from there. We pray that you would do a, a great work in us through your word. We trust that this is your living and active word for us. And so we pray that you would meet us in it by your spirit, seal in us what we need to hear. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.